This episode is brought to you by Wisconsin Cheese. We do more varieties and flavors of cheese than anywhere else on earth. By pushing the boundaries of what cheese can and should be, find your next favorite cheese at wisconsincheese.com. Hey, hey, welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on Heritage Radio Network. It's Tuesday, January 18th, and it's 2022, if you can believe that. Um, well, it's pretty cold up here in the Northeast, um, so some of the coldest weather we've had all winter, and uh, it just turns out that we're talking to some people in, in Austin, Texas, and in Baja, Mexico. So let's go around the room and introduce everybody. Let's start with Katie. Hey, how's it going? My name's Katie Lowe, and I'm the brewer here at Cocos Bavarian, and we're located in Austin, Texas. Wow, I bet the weather's nice today. It is. Today, it's been really nice. Uh, Texas kind of has some back and forth weather. It'll be 40 degrees, and then the next day, it'll be 75. So we got one of those good days today. All right. And Jordan? Hi, my name's Jordan Gardenhire. I'm the founder of Baja Brewing Company, and we're located here in Los Cabos, Mexico. Wow, and how's the weather there? Uh, it's about 80 degrees, as always. Wow. You know, there's places you always go want to go in the winter, and definitely I'm going to put, after this show, Austin, Texas, and, and Cabo Baja on, on my list. Um, let's just start with Jordan, because you've been, you've been doing this longer. So uh, back in 2007, you, you went from Colorado to Baja. Tell us your backstory and your interest in beer and how you ended up uh, founding a brewery in Mexico. Sure. I went to college in Boulder, Colorado, CU, uh, Go Buffs. And <laughs> that is where I started brewing beer. Uh, literally the typical dorm room brewing story had a couple plastic buckets and just trying to figure out a way to meet people. So started making beer. And after college, I... Got a job, uh, suit and tie, and hated it. Lasted about six months, quit, and decided I was just going to go travel around in Mexico. <laughs> and I ended up landing in Cabo um, back in 2004. And um, at that point, I didn't really know what I was going to do. I came down here basically just to learn how to surf and, and learn some Spanish. And, and my plan was always then go back to Colorado and figure it out later. And that was, uh, what was that, 16 or 18 years ago. Wow, that's great, man. Yeah, Cabo kind of sells itself, doesn't it? You know, it's it's a place where you can end up. I guess I just tell everyone, be careful. If you come down, you might not leave. <laughs> well, what, what about the region? I'm, I've read that Baja's hot for craft beer. Is is there like the influence that it's, that part of it is close to San Diego? You know, and what, what was it like when you first opened up? Because I, I don't even think, was there any craft beer in Mexico? When you first started? When we opened, which was 2007, there were less than 10 breweries in the whole country, 10 craft breweries. And they were none of them in this area. And today, it's hard to count, but you know, they're in the hundreds, maybe even a thousand uh, all over the country. And the biggest, I would say, kind of center of it all for the last few years has definitely been uh, Northern Baja, which is 
I'm in the very tip of the Southern Baja, so about 1,000 miles north of me in, in Tijuana, Ensenada area is where a lot of uh, craft breweries have, have started. And it definitely has to do with the influence cross-border from San Diego. So, yeah, I would say the Baja definitely is, is putting out a lot of really good craft beer right now. Wow. And, hey, Katie, tell us a little bit about, about Coco's and um, how you got started in, in craft beer. Sure. Yeah. So uh, Coco's has recently opened up here in Austin. Um, we opened up at the beginning of December and we have four owners here that kind of came together to, to make Coco's what it is. And one of those is the namesake. And that is actually Constantine. And he is Prince of Bavaria. So his full name is Constantine Prince von Bayern. And he's got some friends here that are in Austin and Jesse and Charles at all. And then we have chef Tim Love all came together and decided that they wanted to do a German beer garden here in the heart of Austin, Texas. And uh, we basically came together from uh, a couple of friends that knew all of them. And then I came from Baton Rouge, Louisiana and moved here for this opportunity. So. Wow. And then when did you start brewing? Like, what, what was your experience before? Um, I got it started with brewing when I lived in Baton Rouge. Uh, I've been brewing since I was in college. Uh, so I went to LSU, and I don't know if you know anything about LSU, but they have a very big tailgating uh, atmosphere <laughs> there. So. I was going to say football teams. <laughs> Go Tigers. Yes. So that's alma mater. But uh, attending there since tailgating was such a big thing. I really bought my first brew kit and kind of started like that, just brewing with some friends. Um, of course, the first couple of brews were not drinkable. But as I got better and better and read well, a little Katie, bit more. If, if you were Jordan, you just would have given them out to your friends in the dorm. <laughs> Right? Exactly, exactly. And then they gave me a thumbs up as they were pouring it down the drain behind my back. But from them and their notes and reading a little bit more, I got better and better and then uh, could actually bring my beers to the tailgates. But uh, from there, I kind of did that for a little while and then started working at a brewery called Tin Roof. And they're really right down the road from LSU, um, right next to the university. But I worked at Tin Roof as a brewer there for almost three years before I came here. Oh, that's great. Well, Coco sounds really cool. Um, well, first with the weather, so you've got the outdoor beer garden. But yes. um, I, I know about Tim Love. And um, what, what's the food like? Because I, I know I love, like, smoked meats. Um, I think about, you know, beer garden food. But it, what has Tim done with that menu that sets it apart from – a, a typical pub that's awesome that's awesome yeah tim has really brought uh, an amazing program here uh we're doing the traditional beer garden foods everything you think of we've got some schnitzel you know we have our giant pretzel with the mustard and queso but the really interesting thing uh are the brats that we're doing here and we've got many different type of brats we've got a rabbit and rattlesnake we're doing some venison some curry worse that's apparently very traditional. I've been told by somebody from Germany, which is really fun. But he has uh, some artisan sausages, really, that he's brought to Coco's that have been really delicious and interesting and not really what you find anywhere else that you go because um, it's all different types of meats. Yeah. So, so you being in Austin now, what would you tell a visitor, you know, in your eyes as a, as a new person in Austin in the industry? 
you know, if I'm going down to, to Austin, what would I be looking for? I mean, we know about South by Southwest. Um, I don't know too much else about Austin. The main thing that drew me here uh, was really the connection to the outdoors. And, uh, you know, coming from Louisiana, Sportsman Paradise, we do love our outdoors, but it's, it's a lot of fishing and hunting. But coming here, it's more exploring and they've got Barton Springs. And then there's a lot of outdoor dining here, which is wonderful because they've got such good weather here. None of the humidity that we have in Louisiana, which is nice. But everywhere here has a great patio. You know, it may be just steps away from a trail that you can go on down to a spring. And they love to really just sit outside, talk, have a beer, share a pretzel, get back to nature. Wow. Sounds great, especially on a day like today when it's really, really cold up here north. Um, well, back to Jordan. So, Jordan, um, you first started making beer at Baja. Um, tell us, like, the, the first beers that you made that, that went over well and that you kind of built your business on. We're going way, way back. Yeah, when we started, uh, we came out with four styles. And back then, you know, we're living in logger land here. It's, it's Pacifico, and, and, and that was basically it. And so it was hard. You know, we had to be pretty conscientious that our clients probably weren't going to, you know, be hopheads because none of them had ever tried a hop before. So we, we started with uh, a, a blonde ale and a, a brown ale and a red ale. And then we did do a, uh, and a pale ale and the blonde was our, you know, easiest going, go-to drinking beer and just by far outsold the other three, even though us, you know, internally we drank the other ones, but you know, it was, it was hysterical because people would, you know, put on their bitter face for our literally under hopped blonde. And it, it took a lot of time to kind of get that culture going, at least in this town. Yeah. Um, and today we still have three of those four beers, although the, the pale ales turned into an IPA, but, uh, uh, the red and the blonde are, are still their original recipes. When I, I see you guys post on Instagram, there's a lot of, uh, glasses of beer on the beach. <laughs> um, what, what, what beer is, is most popular on the beach? We have, um, two that kind of take it. I think one is our, uh, our La Surfa Lager, which is uh, which is a lager. It's actually the only lager we do now. And it's just kind of a hoppy lager. We call it a Baja lager. And we also make that one in a can. So that's uh, kind of a good beach beer. That's probably my favorite for the beach. And then and then we have uh, our, our IPA is also just very easy drinking IPA. And even though maybe it wouldn't be considered a beach beer, it's, it's, it's pretty popular. Oh, that's great. And um, when I was talking to your team, they said that you had a lot of like great stories about the early days of, of Baja. Um, you know, you're an American guy in another country opening a business, first of all. I mean, were, were there any particular stories you want to tell us um, or challenges you had to overcome? Uh, well, I, I could probably come up with a few stories. Um, I, uh, okay, well, one that I like is was getting the equipment down the uh, peninsula. So I was out looking for equipment all over the place. And, and my friend Doug Odell from Odell's Brewing uh, actually called me up one day and said, hey, uh, you know, this, this brewery in Laguna Beach just, just went out of business and their equipment's for sale. So, and he, he said, it might be just what you need. So I flew up there 
ended up making a deal with the owner, um, <clears throat> but I didn't have enough money at the time. So I said, I'll, <laughs> I'll give you 20% and I'll come back in two months with the rest of it. And, uh, and I somehow pulled that off. And then we had to uh, we had un get it out of this historic building right downtown Laguna Beach, which we couldn't touch. We, and there was no way to get it out. It was too big. There were no doors. Um, and we weren't allowed to break open the facades. So we actually had to basically take the part of the roof off the building, crane it I knew out. You were, I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> it was, yeah, we had to do it all at night because there was no traffic. So we, you know, had to, you know, pay the, the Laguna Beach, you know, police force to block all the roads and uh you know it was just what a night and and there was still beer in the tanks and the old brewer was there and we were just pouring and drinking as many beers as we could you know he's he's kind of like emotional and we're just trying to help him not throw it all away <laughs> drink as much as we can uh and then i flew back to cabo and had to wait for two weeks while uh these three flatbed trucks you know, winded their way down the Baja and uh, I, somehow they made it. And uh, that was the, the beginning. So that, is that one of your biggest issues is just getting, getting things to your location? It, it used to be, uh, you know, we're, we're in a very remote area. And so all the shipping is just one way. Everything comes into Cabo, but nothing goes out. So you kind of have a, a double price there, uh, cost. And just finding things, especially specialty items, anything stainless steel wise uh, or, or brewery specific was, you know, impossible uh, in Mexico back when we were opening. And luckily now there's, there's a number of suppliers that have kind of come online here in Mexico. Um, it's, they're still tiny and it's nowhere where it needs to be, but uh, it's, it's, it's actually improving rapidly now. Wow. That's great, man. Well, it's such a great introduction. Uh, and, and Katie, um, back to you. So uh, German style, you know, beer hall. Um, tell us about your beers. I mean, I, I love German style beers. Um, what, what, are the, what are the styles that, that are your favorites? And um, tell us about the ingredients. Is there any local malt that you're using? Yeah, so um, it all comes from uh, us being, you know, in the inspiration of Coco coming over and um, his family were the ones who actually started Oktoberfest. So it was like his fifth great-grandfather, I think, were the ones that uh, started Oktoberfest in Germany. And so what they talked about doing was something that was going to be a much more traditional style German beer, you know, kind of getting back to the Rheinheitsgebot which is like the purity law for these German beers where you're really only supposed to include hops, barley, and water. And so what we wanted to do is kind of stick to that. And we keep it really simple. We don't want to kind of uh, juice it up too much because we want to keep it to what people would be drinking when they're in Bavaria. And so we actually do German hops. Uh, and then the malt that we have is actually malted here locally. Uh, it's called Texmalt, and it's uh, right outside of Austin that we get it from. And it's really nice to get it local because the the malsters come in all the time, talk to us about the product, kind of have their hands on it, really kind of taste the beer as throughout the whole process, and they communicate with us about what we like, what we don't like, and what we're ready to change. 
And it really makes us feel like we're in this collaboration with them together. They're growing every day. We're growing every day. And it's been really nice to, to have them be a part of this project as well. Well, do you know how, how did that start? How did that relationship start? Because I'm just a huge, big fan of Craft Mall right now. Yeah, I'm. Uh, it is very new to me, me being so new in Austin. But I know that there is a group here of um, some consultants that are really trying to push using craft maltsters in um in austin and so they are called solon consulting and their main thing is that they want to bring the brew community together to, to help each other out you know and having that community aspect and that conversation between the brewer and the maltster is really important because if you're trying to hone in on a very specific taste and uh, a very specific style it's nice to talk to the person who actually has their hands on the grain themselves. And, you know, brewing really is brew with what you got. And so if you're brewing with what you got and, and who you got around you, I think it's important to have that conversation free flowing from both sides. But I believe it's just people that have all been around the brewing industry enough to where they started talking and going, Hey, like, if you guys are interested, we'll come over there and kind of have a, um, a more niche malt for you for what you're looking for oh wow so when you guys were opening um how long did it take you to develop the the recipes and how, how much of that depended on the the different malts you were using so we are really looking at um a basic level right now and i mean that's the one of the the fun things about doing more traditional german beers is that it's really the attention to detail when you're in the cellar you know, I mean, there is a lot that you can do with different types of malts, but you can pick one malt and it really is just all about what you do with the hops and what you do with the yeast that really develop that beer. And so it's been fun to kind of stick with one base that we have from Tech Malt and then manipulate from there to get our different styles. And they've been really good about communicating with us, but we really try to do keep it simple to where we allow the yeast really to do all the magic and do all the work with the beer. Well, that's great. What, what what are I know you've got a list of the different styles you have, but just t tell me what do you drink after your shift? Always beer. Come on. Yeah, <laughs> a couple of those, right? So our Hellas that we do is one of my favorites. I'm really excited about how that one came out. Um, Hellas means bright and light beer, and so I think it pairs really well with the brats that Tim Love has brought over here. I mean, it's a really good food beer. Um, we do a Hefeweizen, we have a Pilsner that is just absolutely killing it on draft right now. We've done a Bach, Kolsch, and a Dunkel so far. So really uh, kind of all over the map when it comes to uh, malt and color, but just trying to get back to those traditional styles. And I mean, to be honest, with all of these, we're just using Pilsner malt from Tex Malt. And, you know, you have a little touch of Munich malt here and there to give it some color. We're using uh, some German hops that come from Germany, but really it's just kind of how we're cellaring everything, how we're treating it while the yeast do all the work that really kind of brings out the magic of the beer. Wow. No, that's a great intro too. Hey, Jordan, you got, you got another uh, crazy story for me? <laughs> <laughs> that's just going to be your questions. Just tell me a crazy story. <laughs> <laughs> that's why you're on, man. You're, 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 you're the color, color guy. Yeah. Um, crazy story. Well, I'll just continue the story I was telling. The uh, 
so the trucks do arrive down at this, um, you know, we're in, we're in this little town, San Jose del Cabo. And we're on this uh, dirt street at the time, <clears throat> which got paved soon after we opened. And, you know, we talked to the, uh, to the, the local police and had them close the street down. And, and we ended up having everything planned out. We had a, you know, a forklift rented and a crane and everything to get all the tanks into this new building. Well, the, the forklift didn't show up and the crane didn't show up and we had to get these tanks off the trucks and into the brewery. So it ended up being about 15 guys, you know, me included, just uh, basically manhandling these, uh, these, these vessels into the, uh, into the brewery and standing them up with uh, kind of wrenching them up. And it was uh, maybe one of the longest days I can remember. We started before the sun came up and probably finished at midnight that night. But I do remember specifically having uh, probably the best tasting beer I've ever had right when we finished. And it was just <laughs> me and the boys and we were just sitting there and we all cracked open. And I have to say it was a Pacifico, <laughs> but at that time, that's all I had. It was just a great moment. And, and it was cold. So how important is, is cold beer? Because you're basically, tell us about Cabo. The town, is that a beach town, right? And I mean, I hear it as a a resort town. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a beach town. Um, it's it's Los Cabos, so it's two towns kind of uh, near each other. And Cabo San Lucas is the you know spring break party town, um, big marina, lots of boats, lots of beach bars and restaurants. And then San Jose del Cabo, which is where I am and the brewery is, is about twenty minutes up the road, and it's a bit sleepier, more kind of traditional Mexican town with a with a you know, nice town square with the church and all that. And, and the brewery is just a, a block behind the church. And it, it's a, it's a really nice area. I'd, I'd recommend everyone come down. Uh, well, not everyone, just if you're cool, <laughs> but uh, the weather here is great. Uh, most of the year, it's just sunny and warm only in August and September. It gets very rainy, hurricane-y, humid. So it's about two months of of, of brutal hell, and then the rest of the year is pretty much perfect. Wow, man, Baja's really interesting. Um, I'm, I'm part of a, a Pozole and Mezcal festival that's up in New York, and um, the, the wine that we're getting out of Mexico is all coming out of Baja. Um, is, is that near you, or is that further north in Baja? So that's that's the northern part of Baja, Valle de Guadalupe, and yeah, they uh, it, it's a really cool place to visit. Actually, the lots of great wineries, um, nice places to stay, and uh, and yeah, I think the quality of wine coming out of there has just just really improved since I've been down here. And now you go to any restaurant, and they'll definitely have a you know a Mexican wine or two on the on the menu. Whereas before, it was <laughs> not the case. Yeah, no, just just getting to know different importers and chefs from Mexico. It it's really seems like a golden a golden era of of everything food and drink in Mexico right now. Yeah, it's 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 all about local. Uh, you know, similar to the U.S., sometimes trends start you know stateside and and kind of find their way down here, but it, it's definitely about quality, local uh, craft. You know, small producers. Mezcal is the perfect example of that. You know, nobody talks about tequila anymore. That's they're the big boys. So to me, mezcal and craft beer are just uh, two peas in a pod. Yeah. So t tell us what it was like uh, as as you grew. Um, you had to overcome some some disasters, right? You had you had hurricanes. D did you completely lose uh, 
one of your locations? In 2014, we had our biggest hurricane down here that, that they'd had in 50 or 100 years and called Hurricane Odile. And uh, it just wiped us out. I was at my house um, and, you know, all of the windows, I have these sliding glass doors, they just all started exploding. Boom, 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 boom. Um, the, you know, kind of hurricane came inside my house. I watched my TV float across my living room and just smash against the other wall. And it was, uh, it was intense. And in the brewery, uh, so I showed up the next day, you know, uh, I got in my truck, had a pickup truck and just weaving in and out between fallen palm trees and, and trying to get there. And, and I lived nearby, but it still took me about a half an hour to get there, which should have taken about five minutes. And, uh, yeah, two of the four walls had fallen down in the brewery. Um, kegs were on top of fermenters, uh, there was mud um, about four feet high throughout the entire facility and in our restaurant included. And uh, yeah, it was a, it was a total, well, I won't say a total loss because I made one mistake and I had left, uh, I had left all the fermenters and all the bright tanks filled with beer. And I was just thinking, Oh my God, we're going to lose all that beer. That's really all I cared about. <laughs> and it turned out, though, that I think the weight of all that actually kept them in place. And so the actual beer was fine. And so it was actually a huge coup. We, we actually survived and thrived. That's, that's really cool. Yeah, I was wondering if, you, if the equipment got blown around or anything. So, yeah, man, it's, it's, it's so parad even in paradise, there's, there's, there's risks. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah, I don't know what the lesson is there, but uh, make sure you have hurricane insurance, I think is the main one. <laughs> but uh, that, that knocked us out for just over a year, actually. Um, and it, it took that long to, to rebuild and, uh, and get back on our feet. And in the meantime, you know, our, our tap room and restaurant was closed, but we opened up just a little side door and had beer to go and, you know, tried to keep make sure people knew we weren't uh, out of business. And, and yeah, it was just... Uh, I was like a week of shoveling mud. It was disgusting. Oh yeah, we've actually had quite a few shows about uh, disasters. In fact, I, my old pub, we had been next to a big New York City fire, and um, I remember the mud too. We were in the basement. So, um, hey, you know what? We're having a great conversation. We're going to take a short break. We'll be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. This episode is brought to you by Wisconsin Cheese. Wisconsin, the state of cheese, makes half of the nation's specialty cheese and wins more awards than any other state or country. Our heritage and traditions, master cheesemaker program, and the American propensity for innovation all put Wisconsin on the cutting wedge of cheesemaking. With over 600 varieties of cheese to choose from and 5,500 national and international awards and counting, get ready to turn your refrigerator into a trophy case. Enjoying a Wisconsin cheese is basically like winning a gold medal in culinary achievement. Set your mind at cheese. When you bite into a wedge of Wisconsin wonderful, you know it is made with the ultimate skill and passion possible. Find your next favorite cheese at wisconsincheese.com. Hey, 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 welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on Heritage Radio Network. 
Join us and become a member at heritageradionetwork.org slash donate. There's over 30 podcasts every week, chefs, food, farms, and beer. Check us out, heritageradionetwork.org. So we're talking with uh, Jordan of Baja Brewing in Mexico and Katie uh, from Coco's Bavarian Beer Garden in uh, Austin, Texas. And I know I'm screwing up your your names, but Katie, let's talk more about Austin. So um, when I think about Austin, I'm thinking about smoked meats, and uh, the history of Germ- German immigrants who brought a lot to that area. Um, wh- why did your your team want to do the B- Bavarian Beer Garden in Austin? And why did Coco get involved? That's what I want to know. <laughs> He's the freaking prince of Bavaria. Why is, he, why is he open a brewery in Austin? Why not, why not in China or somewhere else? That's just it, though, because... We do have such a rich culture of uh, German heritage here. And, and I mean, I always think back to the song Lupenbach, Texas. You know, you got to think of uh, Waylon Jennings even talking about it. But uh, we've got Fredericksburg. We've got New Braunfels. We have many different places where there was a very large influx of German immigrants coming to the United States that settled around the mid-1800s. And from there, it's kind of just spread. And there's been so many people that have come in since we've opened up that have said, you know, my grandmother or my father or my uncle are from Germany or, you know, they moved over here or I have ancestors that lived down here in Texas. And they're so excited to come and and try some beer and try some food to remind them of home. And the main thing that we were really looking back toward was, that communal lifestyle and getting together around Oktoberfest, you know, kind of kicking back and bringing the family together, eating some brats, drinking some beer. But uh, looking back at Coco's family, he was the one, since it was his family that came up with Oktoberfest, they wanted to kind of do a nod toward that. And Austin is just, there's a place that loves food, loves beer, loves to be outside and meet new people, bring in communities and people from all over the world together. I mean, since I've been here, I've met more people from all over the world than I've actually met people that are from Austin. And so I think it really is tying together so many different cultures and communities. And we're trying to kind of bring a little slice of Coco's family here and share that uh, traditional vibe. But the main thing that he really wanted to do was um, kind of bring together that outside German vibe in the east side of Texas because there wasn't really many beer gardens out here. I know we've got a couple of different places in Austin, but the Bavarian German vibe they wanted to to kind of bring to Austin for the first time. Yeah. So uh, are you getting into barbecue there? Oh, 100%. 100%. There's uh, many places on my list that I have to check out. Uh, I've seen a couple of places that have lines around the building from 8 a.m. until they sell out. Uh, there's a huge barbecue community here that I have yet to jump into, but there's plenty of time. So we, we know Aaron Franklin from Franklin's Barbecue. Awesome. And I've always wanted to meet this guy, Louis Mueller of Mueller's, which is a longtime family. It was a German uh, meat counter going way back. Can, can you tell us one or two other, I know you're working for Coco's, but can, if I come to Austin, can you tell me a couple other places that I might go to to eat or drink? 
uh, specifically talking about barbecue? Anything. Just something that you, somewhere you might go and grab your coffee. I want a little Austin flavor. Somewhere you might grab a drink when you're not at work. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So a couple of places that I've been to that I've really enjoyed are uh, La Barbecue. Uh, mostly, really, I'm looking for anything with a patio, but Terry Black's is one of the places that I got to say, they always have a line out the door. And when you're walking by on the street, even if you weren't thinking about barbecue, you're going into that place because it's absolutely amazing. Um, another place is Leroy and Lewis. It's really good. But Franklin's Barbecue, I think, has to be one of the most popular ones that everybody talks about. Yeah, no, that's that's got cred everywhere. And a big, big shout out to them. I mean, Austin's wild. You know, you think about UT. University of Texas. Um, I've met some of the guys from Jester King over the year. Um, it's definitely a place I want to come to. I'm definitely coming to Coco's. How about this? You mentioned some Waylon Jennings. What's the soundtrack playing at um, at Coco's? Do you guys have any live music or anything? We do. We actually have a stage out front. And so one of the owners of Coco's, he is actually associated with uh, we've got Stubbs and ACL, um, and so it's C3, really is tied in with the music there, and so we're looking to get some really awesome people to come play here. We actually had a polka band for our opening night, and in the rotation, Coco uh, of Bavaria is actually a DJ, so we actually <laughs> had some of his house music playing on our Spotify, which is awesome. But for um, Oktoberfest, we're going to do a huge Oktoberfest thing here. And so we have a stage right up front, and then we've got all the tables sitting out, out um, right in front of the stage. But we're going to bring in a big tent, hopefully bring in some more polka music and everything like that. But we've got a mixture in between some 80s music going. We've got some country. You know, like I said, Austin is really a conglomeration of people from all over the world. So we've got a lot of different music playing here at any given time. Now, I, I got my corny pop pop movie reference. So, in Home Alone, the movie, John Candy was in what kind of band traveling across country? Katie. Polka, polka, polka. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I have some friends that are Polish, and actually they, they've, they've also been in traveling polka bands. Awesome. So, yeah. Uh, it's yeah. great music. I, I'm, you really got me on the edge of my seat. Uh, that's good. And your soundtrack's Polka. And then uh, Jordan, down, down in Cabo, what's your soundtrack? We, we play a lot of uh, classic rock in our, at our place, at our, at our two restaurants. It's uh, <clears throat> when we got down there, everyone was playing, um, you know, basically music in Spanish. So we just came in and did everything USA style. So we did classic rock, burgers, pizzas. <laughs> kind of went the other way, but listening to Katie talk about the food for the third time in a row, I can't believe I didn't eat lunch yet. This is killing me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what you, you're, you're in your, your, tell us the little, the Cabo that you're in again, because it sounds really special. San Jose del Cabo. It's, uh, it, yeah, it's, it's a huge, you know, destination, but most of the people end up at these big resorts down in Cabo San Lucas, which is only 20 minutes away, but Every Thursday night in, in, in San Jose del Cabo, where I live, uh, we close down all the streets in the downtown, and uh, that's where the, the brewery and our, our tap room is, and it becomes just a, a big walking area, and all the restaurants um, 
have live music and all it, we're in the art district so all the art galleries are are open giving away wine and people are just walking around and that's ah, beautiful i mean you can imagine a, the typical you know mexico pueblo with with uh with all these old buildings and the plaza and ah, it's, it's just a, a super nice place to live uh completely safe and uh yeah i just can't i can't recommend it enough well you're hungry now you're gonna leave leave your own spot and you're going to take a little walk or go somewhere local. Where would you be eating right now for a quick, quick lunch or quick bite? Next door to us, there's a great taco place called La uh, Lupitas, and they do they call them gourmet tacos, but it's basically just really good uh, tacos with literally anything you can imagine from seafood to different kinds of meat. That's one. And otherwise, I would go just down the street to a more local place, which um, is called uh, Toro Huero, which means the white bull. And it is uh, seafood. Uh, and, and basically that's the, the food of the Baja is these you know, fried fish tacos um, and, and all kinds of seafood, lots of ceviches and uh, just a lot of yeah, raw food. And so that's, that's you know, if I'm eating lunch and it's hot out, I'm, I'm pretty much eating some kind of a <laughs> raw seafood. Raw seafood, yeah, yeah. My my experience in Mexico was like ceviche and like uh, I would make, get like some kind of wine or a light drink with a uh, cut it with soda and lemon or lime or something. Um, man, it sounds great. <laughs> I'm thinking of both both of you guys and and how I have to get to to Austin and and to your little town in Cabo. Um, one last thing to talk about is just beer itself. So, um, you know, Jordan, you you've expanded a little bit. You've been doing this a long time. Um, what, tell us about the, the move to distributing in, in the United States um, and what challenges you face. Like, did you rename your beers? You know, what product mix is selling in the States uh, versus what you're selling in, in Cabo? We started selling in the States um, oh, a number of years ago. And, our, the, the idea was just to bring kind of our best sellers uh, north. I, I just love the idea of, you know, coming from the U.S. and moving to Mexico to make beer to sell back to the U.S. That just kind of made me chuckle. So I thought that was a great idea. <laughs> and uh, that, so we started, uh, we have four, four styles, which are our, our four biggest sellers down here. And, you know, this, it's a lot, it's a huge different market for us up there um, here locally in, in, in the Baja you know, we can do lots of seasonal beers um, and, and collaborations. <clears throat> we do an experimental beer every month. And uh, so we have lots of different things going on. And in the U.S., it's just our four main styles. But they are our, our go-tos, and they're the ones that we've worked the hardest on. And we started off, um, well, right now, our, our focus is in, in California. So <clears throat> once we started kind of picking up steam and selling more up there, we... we um, needed more supply and we ended up building a brewery up in Tijuana uh, near the border. And that's more of just a bigger brewery um, for us. So that one can produce enough beer for us to be able to, to export more and, and sell more here in Mexico. And it, it's been a, a crazy experience. You know, it, we've had lots of peaks and valleys. We've had, uh, you know, some, some great months and years and then, and then, you know, for whatever reason it. uh, drops off but right now we are we're, we're just gung-ho and we're a bunch of uh 
state, and but our primary focus really is, is Southern California. We're not in Texas, we're not in Austin right now, so so you can't find it there, Katie. But but we are in um, in let's see, New Mexico, Arizona, Nevada, uh, Colorado, Kansas, New York, Illinois, and I'm probably forgetting a couple. Yeah, New York, I think Illinois too. Yeah, Chicago. Wow, that's great, man. It's uh, it's quite a story, and and you won an award. Uh, Tell us the Mexico, the big Mex Mexican uh, beer competition, and you won best large brewery. What what is large brewery considered? So, so Cerveza Mexico is the it's really the beer competition in Mexico that happens every year, um, and it's uh, in Mexico City, and it corresponds to the big conference here that happens every year, the big beer conference. So, it's it's really the, the one that matters. Anyways, we've been entering it for four or five, six years, and this year we were just—I couldn't believe it. You, we sent in six beers, and five of them were winners, and and then we won, yeah, best uh, best brewery. Uh, the reason it says large brewery is because they also have a small brewery category, um, which is—they're <clears throat> all craft breweries though, so it's kind of misleading. It's not like we're competing against you know the big guys. It's um, <clears throat> all craft. So yeah, we out of the out of the lar larger breweries, um, I think there were 120 or so competing. Uh, yeah, we we got the gold, so that was a, a huge deal for us. Oh, that's great! All right, um, and Katie, um, last thing about your beers and the beer program, um, who, who kind of drafted or cr created this whole program that you have? I mean, you guys have a really great beer list, and some of my favorite beers like Aventinas, as well as beers that you're brewing. Um, were you part of that, that conversation? Um, I, I want to get a better sense of what Coco's is because it just looks like a really great beer place. Yeah, of course. So, uh, the, the main people who came together and kind of put together the idea behind Coco's, um, were Jesse Herman, Charles Atal. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you, Susan. I hear you. <laughs> uh, we've got Chef Tim Love, and then from there, and Coco, but from there, really, they have kind of told me what the heartbeat was, and then kind of passed it over. So that was really them going, look, this is what we want to explore. This is something that we want to bring to the table. But from there, if you can help make this happen, they've really kind of given me the reins and let me go with it. And so... It was nice, but at the same time, it's kind of like, all right, guys, what do you think? So they come by all the time and do tastes and, you know, give me a thumbs up, say, hey, yeah, this is what we're looking for. But I think it's really nice that they were going, whatever you think will help to show Austin what we're intending to do to try to get back to the basics with the German beers, bring that to the table. And so, you know, I actually come from a, a background in more IPAs, you know, that was what was popular in Louisiana. And that's what I had a lot of experience in brewing. And so here getting more into doing the traditional lagers has been a really awesome, fun experience for me so far. And this is, you know, what I think every brewer really has a lot of fun with too, is because at the end of the day, everybody wants one of the crispy boys, as they call them, you know. So <laughs> getting back to just something easy drinking and something that pairs well with food has been a really fun adventure for me to be able to get back into. But we also have, so we're a brew pub, and so we're not actually in distribution, but we have six of our beers on tap, but we do share 
um, 26 other visiting taps, which is really nice. And so we're bringing in a lot of European beers, you know, that I myself am trying for the first time, which is really fun too. So, you know, we've got some German beers, we've got some Belgian beers, and then we've got some local stuff. So people who come in to try our beers also get to do tastes of something that they would get when they would go overseas or, you know, maybe they're new to Austin, but they get to sit down and actually try some of the local Austin beers as well. And I got to say, there are some amazing breweries here in Austin that, you know, I came here to visit for the first time ever to try the beers. And then now I'm staying here and living here for the beers. So it really brings a lot of opportunity. That's great. Hey, when, um, when Susan was, was sending notes about you, she described you as a Brewster. Do <laughs> What's yeah. a brewster? So that's the name given to female brewers. And um, kind of, I guess, maybe the brew wench or the brew mistress didn't really stick around. So a brewster is uh, the name that is given to female brewers. That's great. All right. Well, any, any questions you guys want to ask each other? You're up in, Katie, you're up in Austin and Jordan's in, uh, in Baja. Um, you got a question for one or the other? Sure, Katie. Well, first of all, uh, I'm I'm I wish I was at your place right now, eating and and sampling beers. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, my real question is, if I do come in, which I guess I will, yeah, how many uh, how many how many beers should I should I try to get through in one sitting? Oh man, <laughs> I say let's start with a brat, and then we'll see from there for sure. But <laughs> with the weather out here, I mean, you can sit here and drink beer after beer after beer. And I have to say, I imagine that it's pretty similar to what you're what you've got out there in Baja. But they they make it so accessible to just go from brewery to brewery around here. They even have some of those little trolleys that everybody gets on, and they pedal all together. It's kind of like the uh, the brewery. The brewery hopping trolley but uh everybody does flights out here and it's a really amazing communal vibe like i've haven't really had a chance to experience many other places but i found a home here very quickly and all the breweries around here are really good friends all the neighbors are really good friends if you need to borrow anything you just hop right down the road and they've got it for you and then they send you on their way with a beer and a taco so sounds great <laughs> katie you got a question for jordan yeah, so how much time do you spend on the beach versus at work? <laughs> I, I, I wish I could say more. I'm 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 a bit of a I'm too too often either in the brewery or on my computer, but uh right, right. I definitely get out on the weekends and I, I got into kite surfing. So I'll awesome. sometimes I'll, I'll head to this little uh beach. It's about an hour from here and uh stay stay over Saturday night and and do that. And, you know, over the years, I've, I've done a lot of camping on the beaches and just, yeah, just generally hanging out. Uh, so that, that is really the, the best part of living down here is, is I can drive about 10 minutes and I'll hit a dirt road and basically empty surf beaches. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's the dream right there. <laughs> so you guys could both agree with me that that beer is part of an active lifestyle. Yes. Heck yes. yeah, it is. Oh, yeah. We're going to end on that note, that beer is part of an active lifestyle. There's some days when I, when I have a really hectic day and, there's, and I'm a little frazzled, there, there's nothing that relaxes me more than just a beer. And often it's a lager or, or a sessionable IPA. So I'm going to raise my, raise my glass. I'm actually drinking something. Um, OEC Brewery is actually German-owned, German family that's B-United Importers. So if you know 
some of the beers like Aventinas. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the, the sun has opened up a traditional 19th century with an open fire, um, uh, you know, system that's run by computers and yeah. I'm drinking, it's called rustic pale wheat ale. So it's like a 19th century kind of farmhouse wheat. Um, so we're going to raise our glass and say beer is part of an active lifestyle, even yes. in January. January kids, so. <laughs> yeah, you guys are my special January show. Make me realize I can go surfing or, or hiking and uh, make sure I have a beer to help balance out my my mood at the end. Right. <laughs> but um, thank you guys so much. Um, this is such a fun show. Just came together. And um, both of your teams at, at Coco's, Su- Susan was um, instrumental in and oh, excuse me, Alex, excuse me. Mm-hmm. Uh, Coco's at Alex and um, at Jordan on your team at Baja, there's Susan. Um, you guys really have a great team and um, I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. Um, definitely want to visit Austin, definitely want to visit Baja. So um, thanks so much, guys. And thanks to Armand Engineer. Um, thanks, Katie and Jordan. We'll catch you next time on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Thank you. Woo. Thank you. Thanks, Jimmy. Beer Sessions Radio is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.